Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen, amen. What a refreshing feeling to be in his house, feel his presence. It don't have to be my favorite song. It don't have to be my favorite person I'm sitting next to, but I can come in and it feels so good to be in the presence of God. There's just something about it. When I walk in and I hear the songs and it just changes me, something comes over me and says, this is where you're supposed to be. This is something special in your life. Keep it there. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Well, I have a word that God has given me uh, this last Thursday. I believe God gave me a message for tonight. And I want to be able to convey my heart more than anything. I just want to step out of the way and let God do what he wants to do. I, I just felt impressed before I came up here. God is wanting to speak to somebody, and every preacher could get up in every service and make that very same statement, and he would be accurate. But I believe God is wanting to speak to someone tonight. This is not a message that he wants for you to take and, oh, I'll do something with it later and file it away. But I believe God is wanting to speak to somebody sitting here and change their life tonight. Amen. And if you could just be attentive to the Spirit of God, I, I just want to be out of the way. Let God say what he wants to say. Let Douglas step aside and, and just let God speak to us. And preach to myself and speak to me. If I could, let God's words just talk in this house and allow it to minister more than anybody else could do. Just let God minister in this house. Amen, amen, amen. A few passages of scriptures we'll jump into. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35 and 36. Very familiar passage. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35 says, Cast not... Away, therefore, your confidence. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, and that after ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Amen, amen. Can we lay our Bibles down and ask God to continue to minister in this service to touch us each and every one? Anoint who needs the touch tonight. Anoint my lips of clay. And let's let our hearts and our spirits just listen to the Word of God. Let's talk to Him right now. Heavenly Father, we love you, Jesus. We need you right now, God, to touch and minister. God, allow your words to be spoken and none of my own. But every word that's spoken, God, let it be for the need in this house. We ask you, God, to minister and touch God. It's only by you, God, that can do this. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Master. Hallelujah, we love you, Master. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. You may be seated. In our text, in verse 35, it says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. In the Greek, we see it references as a, a boldness, referring to their confident hope in God. They were not to cast this away to become timid and disheartened and discouraged and weak and, and out of their element, but they were to keep their confidence. They were to bear up manfully under the trials and maintain a steadfast adherence to God and to this cause, not to lay it down, but not to treat it lightly, but to 
pick it up. And among the ancient Germans, there's a gentleman who referred to when they fought and they used sword and they used shield and spear. He said it was a deep dishonor for someone on the battlefield to lose their shield. He didn't say it about their sword. He didn't say about anything else. But he said for them to lose their shield was a deep dishonor. And that man then would come back from battle if he survived. And he was not allowed to mingle among the normal folk and the men of battle that came back. And he was to basically disqualify himself. The shield is that important. A similar, similar disgrace would attend the Christian soldier were they to lay down the shield of faith in this day and age. This day and age where the shield of faith is so very, very important. And, and as I was reading through scriptures and commentary, they talked about how the shield was made, Pastor, and talk about they may be in a made out of, of wood and have metal trim, and they put leather over them, and, and the leather was over to, to cushion them and allow them to put their arms behind the shield. And, and they said the reason that the shield lasted as long as it did is because the soldier continually anointed the shield. He continually gave it attention. He continually had it at the forefront of his mind. This is what keeps me. This is what keeps the sword and the spear and the arrows from piercing my flesh and through my armor. It's the shield. And saints of God, we read about in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 about putting on the whole armor of God. And just to talk about it, it says, Above all, take taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Above all, taking the shield of faith. It's not meeting at the highest hierarchy of weaponry and in the armor to put on. Above all, it says, overall, it means this shield can protect you about every side that you have adversaries coming at you. You can use this shield above all weapons to protect you, to keep you, to, uh, to keep your health and allow you to continue to fight this battle. The sword is not as important. You can still fight with a shield. You can still defend, but a sword, you just have it. You're down to just your sword, and someone can throw a dart. Someone can throw a spear, and, and your sword's of no good. But saints of God, we must keep the shield of faith. Looking through the scriptures, one person's count that I have says that there are over 3,573 promises in the Word of God. And reading through Scripture, you can look up and just type in a promise. And Scripture after Scripture comes up. And you can look through commentaries and promises or references and covenants that come up. But God says he wants to keep all of his, his promises. And he kept all of his covenants. And you read through the Scripture and over 3,000 of them are mentioned. It must be something that God is a man of his word. And saints of God, we, we look at the word and, and we read the word. And it becomes a part of our daily bread. And we read it, and someone's hungry for God, and we pull out our Bible, and we show them Scripture. The Scripture's importance, and we place importance upon Scripture for salvation's sake. But when you're wanting a word from God, some people sometimes aren't satisfied with pulling out the Bible and getting a word from God. Oh, I need the pastor to come to me specifically and talk to me and tell me everything is going to be okay. Yeah. 
I need so-and-so to preach a message and specifically tell me that everything's all right and this is what I need to do. But if the Word's good enough for salvation's sake, it's good enough to give you direction for every step that you have throughout this journey. As a pilgrim walking down this narrow highway, the Word of God is our comfort. Keep your faith in the Word of God. But it's just not saying, oh, well, I'll just use it for salvation, and it's good to hear a preacher speak, but it's forever settled. His word, when he speaks it, it is forever settled. And each and every one of those promises, in each and every one of those words of promise that were spoken in the word of God, over 3,000 of them, God will keep each and every one of them. Each and every one of them. There's value in listening. Because God wants to speak. There's value in listening. Listening is only a part of the formula for God to work. Saints of God, it's just not all about just listening, but it's also the obedience to his word. It's the faith in his ability. It's keeping the faith in his ability. We find example after example in Numbers chapter 14 and 22. We find the children of Israel in a familiar passage of Scripture. And for the sake of time, I'll just read one passage from it. But it says in 14 and 22, it says, Because all those men who had seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, we know the story of the children of Israel grumbling and complaining, spending so many years in the desert and, and being just children that were not content, Pastor. They were not children that were content where they were at, and they grumbled and complained, and they begin to hear the voice of God saying, oh, through Moses, saying, hey, do this and do that, and they weren't happy. And in Numbers chapter 14 and 22, God speaks to this point, and ten times have they tempted me, and now have not hearkened to my voice. And we know the story of, of how they went and spent, sent spies in the land flowing with milk and honey, and they came back, and everybody said no except for two. Joshua and Caleb and, and and this is after the fact and there's still people saying there's no way we can make it they've seen the miracles all of them left Egypt all of them traversed through the wilderness and God took care of them and they still they seen the miracles but they could not believe that he could do what he said he was going to do and they were cursed. They were cursed. Those, only the younger ones, and Joshua and Caleb were ones to see the promised land. And, and those who had grumbled and complained, every one of them died in the wilderness, not able to see what God had promised them. It's because of their own doing. God spoke to them, and they would not hear the voice of God and obey it and say, this is truth. I'll hear to it. I'll tuck it away in my heart and say, God will keep his word. The children of Israel had heard the promises of the Lord, but in the process of going through their trial, they lost their faith. They lost hearing the voice of promise in their life. Saints of God, we sit here today. We've sat under the voice of countless sermons. Pastor himself has preached masterpiece after masterpiece to each and every one of us in this house, and God's given us promise after promise. Who are we to say, well, it hasn't happened yet, and so it no longer can happen. It's, it's not going to happen. He must have missed the will of God. He, he must have misspoke, but who are we to say that God can't do something in your life when he promised you? 
Who are we as sinners saved by grace to speak to the master of glory that created everything and says, he can't do something in my life. Don't be like the children of Israel. Be like a gentleman we find in John chapter 4 and verse 46. So Jesus came into Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain Noah man whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. If it wasn't always so simple, and as a man, as a husband, as a father, I can only imagine seeking help, saying, Please come. My son, when I left him, he was at death's door. I'm assuming he's almost there. Come see, Master. Come, come see. But Jesus' response was to speak to him. He didn't walk over and lay hands on his son. He didn't do anything out of the ordinary. He just spoke only words that a master can speak. He gave him a promise. He said, Go thy way, thy son liveth. Had the son been dead when he arrived home, pastor, we probably wouldn't be reading about a man called Jesus Christ because he would have broke a promise. Had the son been dead just as soon as the father walked out the door and, the, and he started heading to a man called Jesus Christ because he heard he was in the area, we wouldn't be reading about a man called Jesus Christ telling him to go because your son lives. The response in believing was not demanding that Jesus accompany him but his son, but it was taking the word and believing it, saying, he said, go, I'm going to go. My son will be there, and I expect him to be alive. That's the response to a promise. As we go on in verse 51, as he said, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour. I would do the very same day, same thing. So when did he just start to get better? Oh, the seventh hour? Let's see. I was talking to a man called Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what he told me. He said to go because my son liveth. And they said, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the hour, the same hour, in, in, in the which Jesus had said unto him, thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. He believed such an impact of the word of Jesus saying, go, thy son liveth. It changed a man in his household. Looking at myself, being 16 years of age and being filled with the Holy Ghost and God reaching down and touching me, it changed myself and my household. 
and everybody that each and every one of my children touch and everybody that we pray for from this time forward and everybody that we give a Bible study to. It's God gave the commission to go and we have the very same promise. If you go, they will come. If you go, they'll live. If they'll be baptized, I'll give them eternal life. If we just listen to the very same promise God said of go, just imagine how we can change the world and turn it upside down and turn this city on its ear and say, I never knew about a man called Jesus Christ, but I've seen the residue. I've seen how it's changed the life and, and the sinner's been changed and turned around and their testimony is real. Because someone said, go. Miracles performed only by the voice of Jesus. Saints of God, we sit here today because God wants to speak to us. You can negate the fact and the messenger, but God wants to reinstill something that you've allowed to take a lower priority in your life. God spoke to this church and ministers and people of God have contacted pastor and gave him a word. It's not just any ordinary word. It's a promise that has numbers associated with it. Not dollar amount, but souls saved. That's a promise. Who are we to say, well, it didn't happen this weekend and it's not going to happen next because it hasn't happened yet. But saints of God, words have been spoken to new life. Words have been spoken about you and your family and your lost loved ones. Don't negate the promise that God wants to fulfill in your life. You can say, oh, my family, they all live for God, and my children, they're all in church, but not everybody's children sitting on this pew tonight. I would like to say it's a disgrace, but I don't want to take away from the people and the individuals, and, and I have family that walked away from God, but God, it breaks my heart not to see family sitting on a pew with me or knowing they went to church this weekend and God changed their life and call and talk to them on the phone and they bring up church. Instead, it's all the filthy things of this world. It breaks my heart, Pastor, to see family that's walked away and say, this is no longer important. They become as the children of Israel. When God said, I'll take you there. And they said, I don't think he can. And they didn't go. It breaks my heart to see family that once preached this message. It's no longer important for them. They walked away from a promise. The expectation, saints of God, cannot exceed the limits or the ability of God. But the expectations can sometimes exceed your level of faith. It's easy for us to say, oh, I want this to happen. But we don't have the faith to back it up. We say, oh, we want revival. But we can't cash the check on revival because our faith, the revival has to be here. Revival starts in each and every one of us. And I heard a preacher preach a message when I was a younger Teenager, He said, I want you to step out and draw a circle. He goes, and in there, right in your mind, revival. He said, inside of that, you step and say, God, put revival right here first. Change me. Allow me to be able to be used. 
Allow me to cash the check on the promise. Allow me to reach into this and say, listen, God, you gave a promise, and I'm going to be here, and I'm going to help make it happen. Through me is going to be a tool, God. I want you to use me as a tool to help make this happen. God still speaks to his children, saints of God. God still uses his voice to speak to his children. You can say, oh, I haven't heard an audible voice in years and nothing's spoken to me specifically, but God still speaks to his children. If you haven't heard him, ask God to change that. God, speak to me. God, let something inside of me change and speak to me because he is the God of his word. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 10, read through verse 17. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. In my memory, I'm trying to remember, but even now, nothing has come to my mind, but I don't remember too many scriptures where Jesus imposed a miracle on somebody. Generally, there's a dialogue. There's a speaking to each other. There's some talking back and forth. And then there's the commandment and God heals. We often say that God is a gentleman and he never imposes himself on somebody. This story, I don't find anywhere else referenced throughout the other gospels to my knowledge. It may be there, but I could not find it. It doesn't reference her specifically. Many miracles are duplicate and, and, and as pastor is taught, it talks about it and maybe give a different version or a different way. And, but this one, it doesn't come across that way. But reading on, and it says in verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore, therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. In verse 15, Jesus then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each and every one of you on the Sabbath day lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, God did not impose himself on her. He was one of his hair. He didn't force a miracle down her throat and say, 18 years you've dealt with this. But no doubt, through her life of growing up, being an Israelite, God reached down and kept a promise. Because you read through the Scriptures, the Scripture says that it, when in this sickness, in this disease that plagued her 18 years, it was in the same way, same manner as Job. It wasn't a demonic presence where she couldn't breathe and she was foaming. And just as the, the, the gentleman at Gadara, he, he wasn't chained up. She was laying there trying had to help to get around. And this woman was in the same situation, as you could say, as Job was. As you read through the Scripture, it gives that connotation of, of what happened. And, 18 years she could hardly move and her body was twisted and she needed help. 
18 years she lived this way. God didn't impose, but he kept a promise. He kept a promise. You see, as a descendant of Abraham, as an Israelite, we find through the scriptures that we assume as her being an Israelite, let me just allow myself to interject my opinion at this point. 18 years twisted, couldn't hardly walk, and she's still in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. If I could say she would be probably faithful, I would consider her faithful. It doesn't say it. It doesn't call her faithful woman. But I would consider after 18 years of physical distrosity where it just didn't allow her to get around and be someone like she was before, I would call her faithful. She had heard and read the promises of God towards his children. And when this happened, it says she glorified God. And in my mind, generally in Scripture, when something happens, they will quote Scripture or go back and reference prophecy. In my mind, as Scriptures I came across, I would think of Psalms where it talks about, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. This passage of Scripture has different personalities as you read through the verses of Scripture. It's a psalm that they do not know the writer, and they assume that someone is in time of need. And some commentaries of reference say maybe was saying as a choir, as it, as it differed in the, in the how the the psalm was saying, but in verses 14 and on, it talks about, takes the reference point of God speaking to his children. He says, I'll be with him in trouble. In Psalms, the Psalm of David, in Psalm 103 and verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction and crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. In the previous psalm that I read before this one, it talks about that the psalm writer, they don't know who he was, as I said, but the context says that somehow God influenced him in such a way that he wrote it that someone just had a massive father-like impact on him. And he wrote this psalm. Saints of God, as a twisted lady sitting in the synagogue, waiting for God to do something, Jesus, to do something in that situation as he spoke. I can only imagine what went through her mind when she was called out and said, Woman, and beckon her over. And say, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. No doubt she had heard the Psalms been read time and time again. Scriptures read time and time again. Never knowing if anything would change in her life. But that moment, that time, he spoke his word. And he kept his promise. Saints of God, I don't know what your situation needs. And what I said before I started preaching I still feel the very same way. I don't know what your situation needs, but somebody needs something to happen in dire ways. Somebody needs something to change. Someone needs something after so many years. God step in 
and call you out, speak to your spirit, and give you what you need. Tonight could be the very night that you need this answer. You may have given up on your promise. You may have given up on who's going to sit on the pew next to you. You may have given up on what God has told you he's going to do in your life and change you, the person that sits here today. But saints of God, all you have to do is listen to him speak. Don't be the children of Israel and walk away and say, he promised and he never followed up with me. But this lady sat there for 18 years. A man walked away from his dying son and walked in and said, God, give me a promise. His spirit was saying, do something, come with me. But Jesus answered her and says, you just go, it'll be okay. Saying to God, you sit here today and you don't know which way is up and which way is down. You don't feel the peace of God. As a matter of fact, you walked in feeling so miserable to the service but God wants to speak to your spirit in this service and change it. Can we stand today? Let's lift our hands and talk to him. Let's talk to him if it's not on you, but on the behalf of the saint sitting next to you. If it's not for you, allow your spirit to reach out and, and let God speak to somebody nearby. Let your life be changed. Or you can walk away and say, oh, it's just a promise. Pastor missed it, or my old pastor, or that minister, or that preacher missed it. I dare say not God never misses a promise. When he gives it, he's going to keep it. If it's not burning within your soul, light the fire. Allow God to change the promise in the priority and say, God, I put this right here. I give it to you tonight. You could be like the lady that went with the crippled body as she went home. No doubt she didn't walk in holding her back and, her, and barely walking in, but she walked in with a smile on her face and, and a, just a pep in her step. And you say, you won't ever believe what happened to me today. He spoke to me. And when she says that, they'll know who he is. Saint of God, he's trying to speak to you tonight. Not me, but God is wanting to speak to you tonight. Don't let your promise die. Allow yourself to walk out these doors and turn to your spouse or whoever you rode with or call someone on the phone and say, he spoke to me. Just as pastor preached a masterpiece this morning talking about the scriptures, it, it spoke to me. It stirred my heart. It changed me. I've walked out those back doors, Pastor. Thank you so much. It spoke to me. Saints of God, not my words, but let God, his words, speak to you tonight. And something inside of you begin to stir up that promise. And you begin to say, you know what, I remember when I first got it. Yes, I do. I remember how God touched me and, and the tears poured down my face. And I said, God, I'm going to hold to that promise. Saints of God, let him speak to you today. And allow him to renew that love and passion for that promise. Don't ever let the flame go out in the intensity of bringing it before God and say, you gave me this promise, God. I want you to do it. I want you to take care of it. Can we find a place to pray tonight? Can we find a place in all sincerity and talk to the master that wants to speak to somebody tonight? Can we find a place and cry out his name and say, God, it's been so many years. I don't want to be like the children of Israel and not get my promise. Speak to me tonight, God. 
allow your voice to resonate through my heart and change me. Change me, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's talk to him tonight, church. Amen, amen.